Today's episode of Everybody Hits is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we are here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Everybody, and welcome to Everybody Hits, our Phillies podcast on The Athletic. Bo Wolf here, joined by Megan Montemuro, and not joined by Matt Gelb today, who uh, we are excited to say is is now a father, but stepping in for Matt Gelb, uh, what better way to fill the shoes? Brad Lidge. Brad, how, thanks for joining us. Yeah, hey, listen, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, <clears throat> you guys will have to pass on my congrats to Matt. Uh, sounds like a pretty exciting time. It absolutely is. Uh, I guess for him, at least, uh, as we yeah, all as we all sit in our for yeah. him and no one else. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly right. The, one of the one of the few people who gets to experience uh, pure joy these days. So that's nice. How are you? How are you and the family uh, holding up? Like, what is what is quarantine like for the Lidges? Um, we're doing good, thank you. Um, you know, we're out in Colorado, and actually, as I speak right now, uh, you know, I, I look. I'm looking out the window and. Um, if the season was going on right now, the Rockies wouldn't be playing. We have 16 inches on the ground wow. um, where I'm at. So uh, we are, you know, hunkered down anyways, but today especially we're hunkered down. And, you know, the kids are, um, my, my, my son's 11, my daughter's 15, so they're becoming more self-sufficient, especially obviously my daughter. But, um, you know, it's, I think the trickiest thing for us is, is figuring out ways to, to get them to be able to do physical activities away from their buddies. So, you know, my, my son's used to doing like baseball and basketball on the same day. And then all of a sudden everything shuts down. It's like, how do you get all that energy out? So um, we have a lot of games set up in the basement. We're doing a lot of ping pong, a lot of pop a shot, a lot of, uh, you know, boy, I don't know, just, just make up, uh, you know, any kind of at home workout routine. And um, so we, we try and pass the time that way a little bit and, um, you know, school for them. Thank goodness they're in two good schools that are doing a lot of stuff online. And I should have invested in Zoom stock many, many days ago. <laughs> the right uh, Zoom stock, though, not the other one, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the good one, uh, uh, because it seems like even, even they are using it for everything they do right now. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's still a couple golf courses open near my house, so I've been able to get out there. But obviously I'm not going to be doing that today. Well, yeah, 16 inches is, is tough. Who's got the best uh, ping pong game in the, in the Lidge house? Well, you know, I, listen, I, I, I don't want to speak too highly of myself, <laughs> but uh, I, I was able to secure a, uh, a belt at Notre Dame, the, uh, the Notre Dame Clubhouse uh, Championship belt. Really? Um, I got one in the Florida State League and in in, uh, our high A team in the Florida State League, won the belt there, and I won it in AAA New Orleans uh, when I was, you know, with the Astros in the, in the Astros farm system in those days, so... I have a lot of experience, so what I end up doing is I play my family left-handed, and um, I actually broke my arm in the, in the minor leagues, and so I learned how to play um, left-handed for a long time, and uh, so, that, so they get really mad at me that, that uh, I do well left-handed against them, but I'll tell you what, they, they, they all want a piece of me, they want to take me down because I talk so much smack when I'm playing them, uh, and uh, you know, I think it's, it's just one of those fun things we get to do as a family right now, but it, it's... You know, my son actually—he's getting really good. He's—he's uh, he's been putting in the time, and uh, he's getting really frustrated when I win, uh, when I do win. So we always go down there and practice. So 
Uh, it's a good time. I got to tell you, you're, you're speaking my language, Brad. I, I, uh, I fancy myself a, a ping pong player as well. Once won a, a tournament Ooh. left-handed also. So maybe one day when, the, uh, when we're allowed to wow. see other people again, maybe, maybe <laughs> we can set that up. Let's lock horns. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Megan, go ahead. So, you know, I think for any Phillies fans, you know, w- when they think of you and, you know, one of your biggest moments would would be, you know, recording the final out of the 08 World Series. And, you know, the, the final out is always iconic, um, especially when it ends in a strikeout. So I was curious, um, you know, heading into that potentially clinching game five, uh, were you thinking about that at all, about what it would be like to be the, the guy on the mound for the final out, um, you know, what your reaction might be? Um, did, did that go through your head at all le- leading up to that moment? You know, I, 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 the thought wanted to come into my head. I, I was doing my best to try and push it out of my head because I had, in 2005, um, experienced you know a run with the Houston Astros that ended up, ended up with us not winning a single game in the World Series when we got there. And I think in my mind in 2005, I was thinking a little bit about oh you know uh, uh, you know after if you can strike out the last guy, then what happens? And and of course that moment never came because we got swept four games and nothing. So when when I went to Philly, I was the one thing I was trying to do the entire year was like never let my mind get ahead of the moment and think about you know after the game just kind of stay locked in. And and it was so hard to do during that last game of the World Series. And, and, you know, we had the day off because we had the, the rain out, you know, the, the delay of game five. So it was like one of the hardest things in the world to do to not let myself think about, you know, celebrating or anything after that, uh, you know, being on the mound. It was, it was all about just continuing to make sure I forced myself to stay in the moment and to think about the pitches I would be making, the hitters I would be facing, and, and never letting myself get ahead of that because uh, I just felt like if I did, it, the, the moment would never happen. So. Um, I, I just had to. I just had to make sure I continued the process that I had uh, the entire season, and uh, and that was to just stay locked in and uh, take it pitch by pitch. Which is a terrible cliche, but you know it was one of those years where I really was doing that, and it turned out to be the right the right way to do it. And so, how badly? Go ahead. Well, as I say, how badly did you want to finish off that at bat with Hinsky? You know, when you got to two strikes, how badly did you want to finish that with a strikeout? Well, yeah, I mean, to be totally honest, I would have taken a ground ball, you know, a weak ground ball or anything like that. I would have been happy with that last out no matter what. But I think once I got ahead in the count, that's when I really started thinking about a put away slider. But again, not like, you know, what's going to happen after he swings and misses, but but more like, okay, here's the pitch and, and, and here's how I need to execute it. And if you do that, you'll get that swing and miss. And, um, you know, so I was thinking more as the at-bat went on and kind of working through the at-bat, um, you know, getting that slider a little bit lower and a little bit lower and trying to get him to chase one down in the dirt and, and really just kind of thinking through it as a, uh, you know, in the at bat. And, um, you know, w- when Carlos Ruiz actually came out to the mound and, and uh, uh, consulted me before we, we were uh, finished off the at bat with Hensky, you know, we didn't even, we knew we were going to continue to throw him sliders because my slider was working that day and, and I'd faced him before and he had a double off the wall off me on a, on a fastball. It was the only other time I faced him. So, um, I knew I was just going to keep going sliders, and uh, I was hoping, you know, on one of those, uh, it, it would have enough break where even if he was looking for it, he still wouldn't be able to hit it. And uh, so we didn't even have to put down signs. Carlos Reeves went back behind the plate. We didn't have any signs. I knew exactly what I was going to throw, and I just it was just a matter of gripping the right one. And I remember on that last one, I came set. I gripped the, I gripped the baseball, and I could feel the slider grip in my fingertips, and I knew that was going to be the one uh, that, that I was going to get him with. 
I like that. And so, you know, you, you, you drop to your knees. It's this iconic uh, image, and, and I'm sure that Phillies fans maybe, like, come up to you and do that sometimes. Uh, but yeah. how, do you, how do you grade the celebration, and do you judge other pitchers being on the mound when they celebrate the World Series in their reaction? <laughs> um, I, I don't think I've given out. Well, I'll tell you what. If, if they don't show true joy, that's the only way I would give, a, like, a, a bad okay. judgment on them. Like, I'd be like, what are you doing? You just won the World Series. You better... <laughs> have complete and total elation because it will never get any better than that. That's what you dream about. It's what everything uh, that we do in this game, that's what it's all about right there. So, um, you know, everyone's going to celebrate differently. Um, for me, there was just a lot of emotion being being let out and a lot of just, I think everyone on our team just, you know, we had been through so much that year and everyone goes through their own personal journey to get there, right? So, you know, it was just a matter of, of just feeling extraordinarily emotional at that time, I think. And uh, you know, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't control those emotions in times like that. You should just let them go. So I like seeing guys get get real emotional out there. Um, I like seeing guys fist pump at the end of a regular season game. You know, and I love seeing them celebrate at the end of a postseason game, and especially at the end of the World Series. So the only judgment I would ever cast out is if you're not happy enough, if you're not elated enough, then what the hell's wrong with you, man? I totally agree with that. I like that. You mentioned uh, you know your uh, your Astros getting swept in in '05 by the White Sox in the World Series. What did you learn uh, from that experience that you felt like maybe helped you through that 08 playoff run and ultimately to to help win the World Series? Well, I I think I learned a lot from that particular uh, postseason as a whole. In in 2004, I was able to get to the postseason with the Astros and, and, and things went uh, things went good for me, I guess, individually. We, we ended up just a little bit short of beating the, the Cardinals to go uh, to the World Series in 2004. But 2005, we get back there. In that particular postseason, even though it started off okay for me, uh, that's when I gave up the, the big home run to, to Albert Pujols in the, in the uh, NLCS. And then we were still able to come back and win that. And then I gave up a home run in the World Series, and we got swept. And it was just a disaster of an offseason for me after that. So... I really did think a lot about that, and I kept thinking in my mind, you know, you got ahead of yourself. You started thinking about um, what the results were going to be before you actually had the process of going, you know, out there and achieving those results. Um, And sometimes, you know, you want to visualize things in a positive way, but sometimes you can just flat out get ahead of yourself too. And I think um, for me, I threw a couple pitches that that I overthrew, and I really just tried to make them, you know, as nasty as I could. And, And instead of thinking about you know, in a stage like that, in a moment like that, being in control and in command, you know, having command is more important than, uh, than trying to just haul off and throw the best pitch you've ever thrown in that moment. So um, what I learned was that the next time I get that opportunity and I was crossing my fingers and praying to God, I'd get that opportunity. But the next time uh, something like that would come up that I would stay in control, I would stay focused and in the moment. And uh, fortunately, the whole season of 2008 really kind of lent itself to that Uh, so when we got to the postseason in 2008, it was, I had already, you know, kind of been in the process of just staying in the moment. And I knew I wasn't going to let myself go anywhere else based on the experience I had in 2005. So speaking of that, that sort of compare contrast, you know, you have, you know, two of the greatest seasons uh, for reliever in, in baseball history, obviously 2008 Phillies fans know 48 for 48, uh, including the playoffs, but but oh four, I mean you were unbelievable. 157 strikeouts in in 94 plus innings. Uh, I wonder if you could just compare and contrast the type of pitcher that you were in 04 and in 08. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, it's um, 
if, if you went and watched me throw, you, you could probably see the difference, uh, you know, real clearly uh, just physically. And I think in 2004, um, that was the best I ever felt in my life physically. I mean, I was, I was touching 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, my slider was at a higher velocity than it had ever been any other season. And, you know, quite frankly, I felt so good the whole year. That was the year I became the closer of the Astros, and I had so much adrenaline, and I felt so good the whole year. Um, that really, you know, it just kind of snowballed and, and everything was, was great. Uh, the results were great. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I ended up throwing, as you mentioned, 94 innings and then a bunch more in the postseason, another 11 or 12 in the postseason. So I threw like 106 innings, which you just, you never see guys do. Um, and, and I think, and the reason I bring that up is just because I think it, it seems like every year after that, my arm never quite felt as good as 2004. So, um, you know, but in, in 2005, uh, still the same type of pitcher. And, and what that type of pitcher was, was somebody that just reared back and let it eat and threw it as hard as I could pretty much every single time, because physically I felt good enough to do it. The problem was, is that every once in a while, you'd make a really bad mistake doing that. And, and I just, you know, at that time, I didn't really care too much until I had to pay for it in the postseason in 2005. And then I really realized, uh, you know, the next couple seasons after that, I need to be a little bit smarter here. I need to reinvent myself a little bit. I need to become a pitcher, not just a thrower. Even as a closer, you got to have some kind of finesse. And I think, you know, I learned a lot over the next two seasons, 2006 and seven in Houston. They weren't my best seasons, but I learned a lot about myself and I learned how to become a different type of pitcher. And then when I got to Philly, I really told myself, be a pitcher this year, have great mechanics, have great command. You know, you don't have to throw everything as hard as you can, have some finesse out there from time to time. And at that point, I think a lot of people, you know, that was 30 years old at 31 years old. And I think a lot of people, when they get to that stage in their career, start to think about, um, you know, the little things in the game a lot more than, than just relying on their own ability, uh, start to think about, um, you know, what is the hitter doing? What's his game plan? So there's, there's a lot to take in when you're, when you're playing for a while, but 2008 was, a, was really the first year I felt like a pitcher out there and not just somebody that could, that could beat you by just blowing it right by you. And so how you, is the arm these days? <laughs> the arm this, uh, these days is, uh, it's still intact. Um, you know, I ended up having nine surgeries. Yeah, I had, I had nine surgeries total in my career. Now, they weren't all on my arm. Um, they were uh, several on my knees. I had a, a torn abdomen uh, muscle. I had like a line drive comebacker. That was on my right arm, actually. But, you know, a bunch of surgeries. And, and I have to say, knock on wood, uh, my knees bother me from time to time right now, but my arm actually feels great. And I throw batting practice to my son and his team. Uh, I coach his uh, two teams he's on. Um, I throw batting practice to them all the time, play catch all the time. And it feels pretty darn good. Now, if I start stretching it out and really trying to let it go, I've got, you know, maybe about five to 10 minutes where it feels okay. And then I'm, and then I'm hurting for like three days afterwards. So, um, but it's, it's, it's intact and it, and it feels good. And I, I really, like I said, knock on wood, considering the amount of surgeries I had. You know, when you were, you were on those Phillies teams, I mean, it was one of the best stretches um, in, in the franchise's history. And that pitching staff in particular, um, you know, rotation through the bullpen was was re yeah. really great you know during your time there so I thought it'd be fun and, and I was curious um, if you could build the perfect arsenal for a pitcher using using your your fellow uh, Phillies teammates um, mm. who what would you choose if you if you had like a five pitch arsenal you could have which pitches would you pick wow that is a fantastic question um Oh, okay, well, I guess you know I'm going to kind of look at some of the guys in the rotation since they were pretty darn good. Um, I mean, first of all, I just I would have to say presence and demeanor on the mound would be would be Doc Holliday, and I would go with his cutter as well, his cut fastball. 
Um, I would actually, I'll take that back. I would go with this cutter sinker combo. So he didn't throw any straight fastballs. Everything he threw either cut into a left hander or cut away or sank away from a left hander. But his fastball, he had such great command and such great movement. I'd, I'd have to go with Doc Holliday's fastball. Curveball, um, look, Roy Oswalt came over to the Phillies in, uh, you know, 2000, what was it, 11, and, 10 or 11. And uh, I played with, with Roy, obviously, in Houston as well, and he had one of the best curveballs I have ever seen. It was just absolutely a nasty pitch. So I'll go with Roy Oswalt's curveball. No doubt I'll go with Cole Hamill's changeup. That's one of the best changeups I've ever seen. And uh, I got to go with Cliff Lee's command. I don't know if command counts as one of the as one of the categories. I guess sure. if pitches, it wouldn't. But I got I got to go with Cliff Lee's command because that's as good as I've seen. Ryan Madsen had a fantastic changeup as well. Um, and uh, I don't know. I I know that's more than one changeup. You're gonna take your own slider? <laughs> um, I had I, I don't know. I mean, can we? I don't know if I'm allowed to take. I, you know what? I'll take my own slider just because, uh, you know, I felt, I felt I ended up throwing it more than my fastball probably at some point in my career. So uh, I'll, take, I'll take my slider, but I'll definitely take all those other guys' pitches. Uh, and uh, I wish I would have had uh, their arsenals uh, and, and their pitch selection because a lot of them had two or three pitches, I think, that were better, uh, you know, than, than my slider. But, uh, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to play with those guys. And, um, man, I, I, I'm just thinking about it. I even got to, uh, you know, Pedro Martinez, uh, obviously – Played in Philly mm-hmm. in 2009, so I could I could throw him out there too, and you can't do much better than his, uh, you know, curveball changeup. But when he was in Philly, it wasn't quite what it was earlier in his career. So I'll go with those other guys' pitches. So how about uh, on on that theme of the you know those Phillies teams? Give me the 08 Phillies. Who is the teammate who you would most want to be quarantined with, and then who is the one who you would least want to be quarantined <laughs> with? Oh man, <laughs> well I think probably least uh, Scott Arrow would volunteer himself uh, for that. He's <laughs> He's going he's gonna to talk your ear off each and every single day. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if you're in quarantine with Scott, it would be, uh, I mean, I, you know, I think about his wife and kids at times like these. I really do. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 getting, they're probably getting a lot of Scott error right now. But, you know, I love Scott. He's a great friend of mine. But, man, he can chew your ear off. Um, and uh, I'd say probably for a guy I'd want to be in quarantine, you know, I'd, Chad Durbin was always a, a real good friend of mine, real interesting guy, real smart guy. We had a lot of good, like, you know, intellectual conversations, which, which don't happen very often in a clubhouse. But, uh, you know, Ryan Madsen is a great comedic relief. And, I'm, of course, I'm naming guys in my bullpen because uh, we got along so well and we had such, uh, you know, great stories and so much time to spend together out there. But um, I'd say probably Chad Durbin. We had a lot in common, and uh, he's a great dude. Uh, if you uh, if you don't mind, I have a few, like, trivia questions. You sound like you have the, you know, the baseball encyclopedic uh, memory of your career, but I want to see uh, how how good it is dating back to some of your your earlier years, if that's all right. I'd be I'd be happy to give it a shot. Uh, let's. I feel like this one will be uh, maybe the easiest, but uh, can okay. you rattle off everybody who pitched in your combined no hitter? Yes, yes, I can. Uh, Royals Walt started that game. Uh, Pete Monroe came in second. Kirk Sarlos came in third. I came in fourth. Octavio Dotel threw. The uh, eighth inning, Billy Wagner came in and closed it in the ninth. All right, we're off to a, we're off to a good start. Uh, so this I like uh, two for two starting your career as a, as a hitter in your your one yes. start in the bigs. <laughs> who did you get those two hits off of? None other than Glendon Rush, who uh, you know if 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 anyone is going to uh, have. Um, bad dreams of me hitting against him. He will be the only guy. He will be the only guy ever because both of those at bats, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say I, 
I got lucky. There was a little skill involved, hopefully, but uh, you know, it was just a, the right combination of pitches that I was looking for at the right time. And you know, listen, when you're two for two and those are the only two at bats in the big leagues, you should probably just retire because I think I went over five after that with five strikeouts. I think you got one more in play. One it was more a, play. It was okay. a two three. So there you go. But then you didn't get to hit it again after 04. It's too bad. Uh, I know that's true. Do you uh, do you remember the specifics of the trade that sent you to Philadelphia? Well, I knew uh, you know Eric Bruntlett and I uh, went over to Philly, came over to Philly, which was great because uh, honestly, um, Eric and I, our, our families were, were were good friends, and uh, I loved having that guy always behind me. You know, in Houston, he always made great plays behind me, and then it, it, nothing changed when he came over to Philly. He had some great individual moments with the Phillies, and uh, I remember, uh, was it Jeff Geary and uh, Michael Bourne coming over to the Astros? That's right, and one, one other throw in, Mike Costanzo, but I'll, I'll give you a pass oh, on that right. one. Right. Uh, okay. Okay. okay, and then, and then the, the last one, uh, you know, I like looking at the guys who you have faced the most. Uh, do you yes. know who the, the two guys who you have struck out the most are? Struck out the most. Well, Mike Cameron has to be in that so, mix somewhere. So Mike Cameron, this is he is not uh, the answer. He he had ten strikeouts, and and Adam Dunn and Scott Rowland had two. But Mike Cameron, unbelievable, zero for thirteen with ten strikeouts. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, I, I did know that. I've I've actually run into Mike and talked about that <laughs> before. So there's plenty of, like there's plenty of guys that own me as hitters. But uh, you know when, when you get it when you get a hitter uh, as a pitcher, you, you just gotta let them know every once in a while. Oh, for 13. That's so, tough. Like, he must be scared to see you in the streets. <laughs> no, I don't think he's scared. That dude's not scared of anybody. I think, uh, you know, on, on the mound, uh, on the mound, I think he probably just got real frustrated. So I, I do remember, like, one of my last at, at bats I ever faced him, like, he went up there and he just choked up on the bat. He was just trying to put it in play. And we were, we were kind of laughing about that. So, um, but, but, you know, Mike was a great player, obviously. That's funny. Go ahead, Megan. So one other kind of fun little game, I guess. Um, what, if you're up for it, a word association game, Phillies edition. So oh, yeah. first word that comes to your mind when you hear the name or thing. All right, let's do it. You ready? All right. Well, ready. we'll start off. So we'll start off some easy ones. Uh, Chase Utley. Uh, I could say the man, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the look. Okay. Ooh, I like that. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, Jimmy Rollins. Money when it counts. Is that more than one? So, so does it need to be? Is it a phrase? Is I it mean, a word? it's just. I one feel word? like whatever comes to your yeah. I feel yeah, like that whatever works. comes yeah. to your mind. Highlight reel. We'll go with for Jimmy Rollins. Right. Okay. Uh, Ryan Howard. <sighs> Stud. Uh, Roy Halladay. Man, there's there's a lot there's a lot. Um, uh, professional. Phillies fans. <sighs> Amazing. The fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> The only mascot I actually laugh at, so I'll, I'll say hysterical. <laughs> um, Philly cheesesteaks. Oh, delicious. <laughs> Rocky. Iconic. Okay. Bo, do you have any you want to add on your end? Uh, that's pretty good. What, what's your, what, I'm curious, what was your favorite like, place to, uh, to go or eat in Philly? You know what? I actually, <laughs> so I love Mexican food with, with a passion. Like it is, uh, for me, um, I'm not afraid of a margarita either. So, you know, Mex <laughs> Cerveza margarita, uh, Mexican food, El Vez, I ended up eating it oh, nice. so oh, often. And it was a great place to take the kids to. And, you know, they, yes. they, they gave us a good seat and we always, uh, we always really enjoyed our time. We, I, I brought tons of friends and family there. Uh, but, but El Vez, I think was my, I, I ended up going there as much as anywhere. 
You get one of those seats outside in you know late spring, early summer. Fantastic. It really is, and 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 you know they have even those booths are are, are great. They have a lot of just kind of fun, entertaining sitting, and and I think the uh, the gua- what really sold me when I went in there was the amount of different guacamoles that they make. Out yeah, of the, yeah the they've got cow. all that different guac. Yeah. Oh, they take that uh, seriously. I loved it. Well, Brad, we we really appreciate you uh, taking this time. We hope uh, hope hope you and the family stay well. We, we've saw, I saw some of those uh, the little league videos which you've been using to to pass the time. Tell us a little bit about why you're doing that. Oh yeah, okay. I'm not. That's funny. I did, I thought they were only uh, like uh, by. Um, you know. Oh well, we try to do the, try to do our research, you know. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Well, so you know, I mean, like like I said, I I, uh, I coach two of my my son's teams, and uh, you know, both one's a competitive team, one is a kind of a standard little league team, and uh, when those got shut down, I just uh, you know we we were talking about um if there was any way i could still kind of coach and do some things like that and we just kind of felt like putting some videos up on youtube was the best way so they're they're kind of like you know um one of those deals where you just send out the link to uh to guys on the team um to parents and stuff and and it's just kind of little tutorial videos you know just going through mechanics for the and i wanted them to, to for it to be for like all ages of little league because i think right now everyone's just kind of you know, young dads that are coaching their kids for the first time, first year kid pitch, stuff like that. So it just kind of goes over like a real general thing for uh, for young kids, like pitching mechanics, pitch grips, uh, you know, pickoff moves and stuff like that. So it's just real kind of basic stuff, but it's a lot of fun to do. And my son got to jump in there a couple times and, uh, you know, we were going to do one this weekend, but I don't know if there's going to be any grass that we can uh, find after all this snow. So, uh, but I, I'm kind of doing it once every week and uh, just throwing some videos out there and um, just doing some instructional stuff. These kids need it right now, man, and I think I do too. We all, we're all trying to get used to remote learning, so I think that's uh, that's helpful. Exactly, exactly. So uh, thanks so much for joining us again, and uh, and hopefully we can we can talk again sometime. And, and thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Everybody Hits for uh, for Megan and new father Matt. Thanks for listening, and we'll we'll talk to you soon.